Welcome back to the Being Whole podcast. Today, we have Dr. Darian Parker on the show. He earned his PhD in sports education leadership with an emphasis in behavior modification from UNLV. He earned his master and bachelor's degree from James Madison University in kinesiology. Dr. Parker is a certified personal trainer through NSCA. Darian has been in the fitness and wellness business for 21 years. Throughout the course of Dr. Parker's career, he has served several roles in the fitness and wellness industry and has worked extensively in both the academic and private club sector as a director of education for a career college, general manager of a high-end luxury residential fitness club, and a national director of fitness for a global leisure management company. Currently, Dr. Parker is the co-owner of Epic Leisure Management, LLC, the owner of Parker Personal Training, LLC, and the co-founder of a podcast hosting and guest connector platform, FEM. Dr. Parker is a featured writer and presenter for National Fitness Organization and is also the host and creator of Dr. D's Social Network, a podcast devoted to genuine, open, and honest conversations with people from all over the world. Now let's dive into the episode. Okay, Dr. Parker, I'm so glad to have you here. It's really exciting to have you as a guest on my show since you already welcomed me with open arms to be a guest on your podcast. So I'd love for you to just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do and how you got there. Yeah, thank you, Dr. LeClaire, for having me on. It was awesome to have you on my podcast. I just, I find what you're doing resonating. You just have a great spirit about yourself. And uh, I just, I, that's how I like get connect with people. Just, they have to, they resonate with me. Something about them, just their presence. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so for me, I feel like that's been my life with everything that I do is around a feeling I have, the presence that other people uh, that I have around them, they had the effect they have on me. Um, and I, and so I'm in the health fitness, primarily fitness field, honestly, and for almost 22 years now, so pretty long time. Um, and I got into it because I like developing relationships with people, like long-term, meaningful, genuine, lasting relationships. And I felt that fitness was a good way to do that. Mm. And I've always been very athletic. I was a collegiate athlete, and I wanted to combine something I already love to do with kind of my growing curiosity of creating relationships with people uh, uh, with that. That I love. I mean, obviously I love everything that you said because <laughs> I'm so into the relationships that we create and understanding those connections. And I think that it, it's really intuitive of you that you understood that that was a space that you could do that in because there are so many places that we can build relationships and strengthen those connections and the spaces that people are vulnerable in aren't always the spaces that, you know, you readily think of, but thinking about fitness and everything and the amount of, of shame a lot of people hold surrounding their bodies or the, the ways that they want to advance and they feel they can't or the comparison factor, there's a lot of emotions that go into even just that industry that I think a lot of times people might not recognize. So I love the way that you talked about just really wanting to facilitate those relationships with your clients and help them not only through their fitness journey, but you're really helping them through so many other obstacles as well. I think that um, I'll talk about this a little later, but as a business, I think that we've done a really poor job of talking to the public. I think our message has been completely wrong. And I think mm -hmm. our messengers of these messages have not been the people that we need mm -hmm. to 
do this. And I, I think we're seeing this in a lot of sectors of our lives, but I think one of the big things is in order to get better at something, you have to admit where you're not doing so well. At. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. stepping on that and say, listen, we've done a bad job. And as an industry, we've done a horrifically bad job. I mean, we're a, even though we're a 50 plus billion dollar business, it's a failing business. It mm-hmm. only caters to about 15 to 18% of the population. It's completely not inclusive. It, it focuses on people, honestly, that look like me, that look are super fit, have been athletic. Mm-hmm. It completely excludes the majority of people <clears throat> and in the population. That's not successful to me. That uh, may be a monetary success with gyms and things of that nature, but on the scale of humanity, it's a massive failure. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of the only people willing to say that. As I say, uh, this is a massive failure. So we need to rebrand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think our rebrand is that people aren't exercising. They should, maybe they think they need to exercise for weight loss or an aesthetic, but we need to change that narrative that. You need to exercise uh, because it's more about building a relationship with other people, having accountability, and all of the factors that come with being well, Mm -hmm. which is having a better uh, mental health, spiritual, emotional, social, environmental health, really look at the whole care of the person versus just the nutrition and fitness or the physical aspect of it. So I think we've, we've really screwed that up. We really have. And so we need to admit our failures and move forward with action and, and really and talk about what it really is about. Okay. I love that you're opening up this conversation and you're right. This isn't something that people talk about or say, and, and it hits on so many levels, right? Of course that we think something successful in our society, especially when we do see dollar signs or monetary success, but you're so right that that's not, you know, the inclusivity and the messaging behind why it's important. And then the images that people are shown, you know, and then the guilt and the shame that a lot of people do carry around as a result of feeling that they should be doing more or that they're never going to look like the person that they see Mm -hmm. promoting things. You know, there's, there's a lot there that then can prevent people from actually taking the action that is so important to taking care of themselves. Right. And of course, everything that you said too, with it isn't just about the physical wellness. And in fact, so much of it, like even for me personally, if I hinge my working out on how I'm going to look physically, I'm actually less likely to do it because I'm like, okay, like enough with how I look or whatever it is. Right. And even though I still have some shame or I used to be more fit or I used to be more that, or I should do this, it's not enough of a motivating factor for me. But when I look at the mental benefits and how I feel in terms of, you know, my mental health and the ways I feel in terms of my emotional regulation, when I'm out moving, when I am getting my physical exercise in, that's the motivating factor, my brain health. And so even finding and following people, having conversations with people like you, where it's like, yeah, this is why this is getting me this, this is helping my brain in this way, this is helping me age better, you know, whatever it is, right? But that's a whole different conversational space that doesn't involve what color leggings I'm wearing or what brand yeah. they are. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think we would be much better off if we stopped focusing so much on the physical aspect yeah. of exercise and wellness that doesn't devalue that aspect that often if you can get someone into it for maybe the mental health or the social, spiritual, emotional aspect of it, the physical part will follow with it for yeah. that. But I don't believe it should be the number one. 
reason for that. And I think we've just done a horrendous, I'll say this again, we've done a horrendous job with this stuff. And so I'm really trying to focus at this stage in my career and all right, especially for the professionals like myself, what, what, how can we be educated better to meet the demands of the public? And the public's telling us I'm doing this more for a social, emotional, mental health. All right. So as trainers, we're woefully underprepared for the population where it's all exercise science, but where's the curriculum that's related to uh, mental health, the, the mentally well exercise professional, the ah. therapeutic movement, uh, self-care based strategies, mm-hmm. counseling skills, all these things. I'm working with some, with a university uh, to revamp their exercise science program. Like this needs to be more robust like this. Yeah. The, 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 the exercise professionals of the future could be a shaman also yeah. and a personal trainer mm-hmm. and a counselor. So I feel like we're in a shift. We need to get out of this hardcore exercise aspect. Listen, if you want to do that, I like to work out hard, but that's also not a lot of people, honestly. Yeah. So there's different varieties. There's different flavors for everyone. Mm-hmm. And we need to cater more to that. And we just need to do a better job as an industry and not having, not catering to people buying a Peloton, living in a 10,000 square foot home on Christmas with snowing. It looks beautiful. That's not real life. That's not real life for most people. That's not- the majority, not the public, mm-hmm. but they're doing this stuff to cater towards the, you know, people who can afford that. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a business. They have the right to do that. But again, the messengers are not giving the right information. And th- unfortunately, that's what p- people see. They see what they see on streaming, TV, mm-hmm. different things like that. They see what they see online and social media. We have to take back the narrative from yeah. influencers. We have to take back the narrative. Mm-hmm. And that starts with better educational programming and people like myself getting out there and saying, we're messing this up badly. Yeah. Like, And oh. we need to have better coalitions that actually get things done and stop writing research papers that don't mean anything to the general public or telling the general public that this many people less would have died if they exercised. People don't care about that. Yeah. They don't like, where is it? We need better. All this stuff needs to be changed in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No. And, and just broadening that conversation, because as you said, there are so many layers and so many elements to it. And there are also things that people are seeking or numbing out sometimes during exercise too. Like you say, you know, there are people who only ever want the hardcore workout and sometimes they want that for their physical self, but sometimes that's their way of like also not managing anything else that they need to Right. And so even equipping fitness professionals, as you're speaking to, to have a wide range of skills and understanding so that then they can meet their clients differently too. And I I think that's so important across different industries. My, my work changed my life and the way I taught my students changed fundamentally when I started, you know, after I got my yoga teacher certification, after I got a breathwork certification, you know, because I was all of a sudden not just talking to them about all of these emotions. And I was like, okay, where are these things in your body? How does it feel when you move through these things? And it was a deeper understanding for me, not only personally, but in the ways that I could help them explore some of these topics, right? And so you're saying the same thing. It's like, okay, we have this physical movement, but what are some of the other things that might be coming into a play about your resistance toward this type of movement or about why you're fearful or about why you think you can't or whatever it is, you know, and just being able to really 
have those conversations. And, and thank you also for hitting on the finances aspect of it. I think that it, it is a really difficult space for people to feel like they want to make positive changes or that they want to do some of these things and then to feel like it's absolutely out of reach for them. And then that can cause a whole bunch of other spirals too, right? You know, because there is so much um, shame surrounding financial status and so much, you know, like that we're always chasing that next thing or trying to live up to what other people are doing. So even just having this conversation, I'm very curious, how have other fitness professionals responded to some of this, this talk? You know what? I, honest, this is the honest truth. They're all into it. Everybody I've talked to feels this is the right thing. I honestly, who's going to tell me, and they can tell me it's fine. Who's going to tell me oh, it's terrible for a fitness professional to be better equipped to be a, a better mental health counselor, mm -hmm. uh, psychosocial, better psychosocial dynamics to understand more about spirituality with your clients. Like that person shouldn't be in our field if they yeah. think that's not important. This yeah. isn't bodybuilding 1980s in Venice Beach. That's not our business. No. That should never be our, that is an extreme outlier of our industry and should not be representative of who we are as a business for that. But, you know, we have this juggling act because obviously people like myself, we need to make money to live. It's our profession. So it does cost something. Uh, but also I think the consumer needs to feel more value from us. Yeah. They need to feel like they're not paying a lot of money for something that feels like just sets and reps and mm -hmm. a person who's not prepared, who doesn't have a lot of education, who just does it because they like to be fit. We mm -hmm. need to eliminate that. Yeah, uh, we need to bring a lot of value to the table for that, which is I'm not saying everybody needs to take my path. I have a doctorate. You clearly don't need that to do what I do. But, you know, I wanted to have a terminal education so that I could have more respect mm -hmm. and the admit price of the admission would be a little bit easier. People go, OK, he has a lot of education. You know, he's under he understands the different dynamics of, of human behavior it's going to probably make somebody be more attractive for somebody to work with me mm -hmm. uh, versus someone who got a, a certification over a weekend mm -hmm. for that. But I, again, I want to be sensitive. You don't need to do what I did, but you do need to arm yourself with a much wider array of education so yes. that the consumer doesn't feel like it's a joke. Even within our industry, a lot of the people in it think it's a joke. It's like, oh, I'll just do this on the side and I'll be a real estate agent full time. Like we're an industry of hobbyists. Yeah. And I don't think that serves us well. We, our regulation is pathetic. And I think that's the first part of changing is admitting your failures. Yeah. It's a big part of psychosocial change. Absolutely. People who cannot admit that they're not doing well, that's a huge block in your growth and development. Absolutely. We see that with a lot of things in our, in our country, right? People just don't want to be wrong. You need to get rid. That's your ego. Yes. You need to dissolve your ego and get rid of that. Mm -hmm. And you'll move forward in life leaps and bounds when you admit you're not that great. Yeah. And you got a lot of work to do. And I think for trainers, we need to admit we're not that great. And we not we have a lot of work to do to become the professionals that we need to be for the consumer. Oh, and I, I think too, like having that kind of relationship where people feel like they're getting the value from that, that is what sustains those long-term relationships then. And that is what then can increase other people's internal motivation. Like if I know I'm showing up because my trainer has my best interests at heart, you know, and is really caring about where I am in my journey, 
as opposed to just like giving me another list of sets and reps, like you said, like that's a whole different level of commitment. That's a whole different level of buy-in from that person. And then for myself too. And I think, especially with the explosion of, you know, digital things and apps and stuff you can look up on YouTube, that it is a space where people do want more because they kind of have that feeling of like, yeah, I can just look up a, a workout on YouTube. Yeah. Or I can look up this fitness professional who can tell me what to do, but I'm going to a person in person or I'm having a trainer online because I want more. I want that connection. I want that facilitation of growth. And if people, but to have that facilitation of growth and to really be able to empower other people in that way, you do need some training. Can't just wing that. You know, and if you try to wing it, you, you eventually get better at it, but it's also at what expense to yourself. If you don't have the training to understand the emotional labor behind that, to really know what can motivating factors can be, or to look for warning signs or what have you. And I think, you know, it is like anything else. It's just the same thing in relationships. People, you know, focus on the things that they want instead of focusing on the things that are preventing them from getting there. You yeah. know, as though if we look at our problems, then we're being pessimistic or negative. It's like, no, no, that's helping you be a real realistic about the areas that you can evoke change in, you know, and helping you understand how can I be more motivated to move forward. So like what you're saying, even just with the industry and professionals, like really having kind of that, that shift toward this is what people really want. And, you know, speaking to your education too, I'm really glad that you have that because I think those universities that you're speaking to are listening a little bit more because of that, exactly. those letters behind your name. Yep. <laughs> so exactly thank you. Right. Thank you for doing that because then you're able to evoke change on a bigger um, level and scale then that I think is really important because again, if it's embedded into a lot of curriculums, it gets people thinking about their job in a different way. Oh, this yeah. is part of it now, as opposed to like getting out and then being like, oh, if I wanted to do some of these other things, I could, but they're extra. And then it seemed as like additional things you would do as opposed to really having that foundation in your education of whatever type of fitness professional you are. Yeah, most definitely. And, and I think the other thing is like, like in any profession, it's not for everyone. Right. Like it's, if just because you like working out doesn't mean you should be working with people. Yeah. It's kind of like someone who says, you know, they, a lot of people think they want to get married, but maybe they shouldn't get married. <laughs> you know, like it's not for everyone. It does. It just because you've been told it's a big thing. Doesn't mean it's for everyone. Yeah. Like you got to be honest with yourself Yeah. in our profession, just because you love to work out. Maybe you're just an exerciser. Yeah. Maybe you're not a trainer. Like, and I think people just aren't honest with themselves. Because they think about, oh, I'm just working out people. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. It's, it's understanding the art of interpersonal, interpersonal communication, counseling skills. Have you worked on yourself? If you're a complete mess emotionally as a person, you should not be getting out there working with other people. Yeah. And like, because then you just throw your mess onto other people and they're paying for that. Mm -hmm. Like you're... <laughs> It's, it's crazy. So like a little self-evaluation is important. I've known plenty of people who've gotten to the business that should not have been in it. Yeah. And, 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 and to tell you, our business, look at this is the turnover of our business. Most trainers don't last more than a year. That's the attrition rate. Wow. It's like a year. Wow. It's crazy. It's not for most people because you know what they do? They get burned out. They can't handle the energy that you're taking in from another person yeah. over and over and over all day long. Mm -hmm. That's a different person who's built for that. You yeah. gotta ask, is that me? Like, be honest with yourself. You know? Yeah. 
you have to be equipped to handle that amount of emotional labor. And I think too, it goes back to what you said, admitting where you need to grow or admitting that you yeah. are not doing something, you know, in the space where you maybe could, or that you need more time. I, uh, I really wanted to be, I thought I was going to be a counselor. I really did. And in college, I, you know, worked at different facilities and things like that. I have a dual communication studies and psychology undergrad degree, but I wasn't in a place where I could continue that. I was in turmoil. I had emotional stuff going on, family stuff going on, and I could feel how stressed I was at, you know, absorbing other people's emotions, not understanding how to separate it, going home and then taking things personally or bleeding that into my own life. And so really being able to learn then that for myself, what that space looked like, how I could control my own, you know, my own self when I was in the midst of other people, what things I needed to work on so that I could show up differently for people. And that was something that I really had to be honest with myself about and understand. And at the same time that other people are like, oh no, it's fine. (laughs) So it's like, for me really recognizing, okay, this isn't the space for me right now, not in this way. If I really want to help people, because I am not currently capable to be in that space. And I, I think too, like recognizing that there's not so much, there doesn't have to be so much shame surrounding that you can admit where you are and be able to have growth and go forward and help people. But if you think that you're fine or you tell yourself you're fine and you allow yourself to continually occupy spaces that you feel damaged by or depleted by and burnt out by, then you're not fine. You know, then that's something either about how you're showing up or what that space is making you feel. And this is something where my, my good friend who owns a salon, he and I talk about this too, about how at the end of the day, you know, he's just listened all day to all the stuff people are putting on him. Well, maybe getting asked here and there how he is, you know, or speaking to things here and there, but it really is just an emotional dump all day of people, you know, whatever they want. And so, you know, that's even, I think, more readily understood in that industry versus in the fitness profession, you know? Yeah, it it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny. It's kind of like when you're a service provider, especially people feel like they could tell you all their secrets and different stuff because you're not close to them, generally speaking, or that they think, well, this is their job. They're not going to judge me for all these things. And so they're more willing to tell someone they don't know versus people they know really well. Well, they feel the emotional toll will be much greater. The mm-hmm. fear will be greater to tell them. So you're taking on all this heavy stuff. And, but most of what we're taught in our business is not about dealing with that. Yeah. It's about the weight loss and physical journey. Mm-hmm. It's just poisonous, generally speaking. So I think there's just a big disconnect. And yeah. I'm just tired of like not talking about it. I'm like, and then having no action, I'm like, okay, first part of this whole plan I have is just to call out the industry I'm in. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're pretty bad. And then second part, let's start having some action. And again, to my, most people, most people are like, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't meet professionals who are like, oh, that's way off. They're like, it's just, nobody's doing anything. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And, and all the people, they listen to this, they, they realize it. They're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. We are not doing anything. We're letting these large companies, big commercial change control, control the narrative. We have to take that from them. Mm-hmm. Like we, we just have to, and mm-hmm. we have to have individuals like myself willing to step up and say, approach, you know, colleges, universities, yeah. teach courses, 
get out there, identify the stuff that's not good yeah. and not be negative and like nasty and calling up just say, Hey, this is not indicative of, mm-hmm. of proper information. You yeah. know, there's a way to say things without being disgusting. You know, I feel like yeah. we kind of lost that idea. <laughs> yes, there is absolutely a way to say things without being rude or disgusting or yeah. it's like totally possible. Yeah, not it that actually hard, is possible to have an opinion yeah. and be assertive and disagree with somebody without it completely derailing. However, yeah. I know that we all look around and sometimes that doesn't feel real because <laughs> it seems like it's not modeled to us that we can have those conversations. So I love too that you were, you know, just focusing on that. This doesn't have to be nasty and attackive. This doesn't have to be, you know, dismissive of other people, but it's more like an admission of these are the things that are happening. These are what consumers see and feel. So how can we, again, not only change the narrative, but then actually take steps to open this up in a different way. And I think, unfortunately, you know, it's like so many other changes when we're trying to go forward in a new direction people sometimes personalize it or take offense to where things currently were. It's like, okay, I'm not saying that you as a person or you, if you're in this industry over here, like you are terrible. I'm saying that overall, overall, yeah. Little shift that we should make that is more representative of what people really want and what people really need as well. Earlier this year, I was on Dr. Parker's podcast as well. We spoke about boundaries and burnout and communicating our feelings and being upfront about where we are mentally. And I really enjoyed our conversation. The link to the episode is in the show notes below. Now back to this episode. Yeah. And you know what? It's just like, if you think about it in the history of humans, there's a lot of things we used to do that we would never do today. Mm -hmm. You know, people used to smoke on airplanes all the time right? Who thought that's a good idea right now, right? But it was a great, it was fine back then. It's not a static situation. Just because we got into this whole thing with bodybuilding Mm -hmm. and all that stuff doesn't mean that that's where it should continue to go. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we get stuck in these old patterns of thinking, Absolutely. uh, you know, and it's, and it's easy to think, well, all these people think this way and all these people think this way, but probably you haven't talked to anybody in person. And if you actually talk to people on the ground, most people are extremely moderate, extremely very down the center. Just, they just want to live and they just want simple things. I want to show up. I want to move my body. I want to feel better mentally. The mm-hmm. majority of people are not trying to be like the fittest person on the planet. Yeah, they really aren't. They don't aspire to that. They don't want the sacrifice that that entails. That's like the majority of people, generally speaking. But we just keep catering to those people all the time. Like not having Yeah. And not having that insight in terms of like, what are people's personal goals with this? Because that you, you just said it, you know, most people aren't trying to be the fittest person in the world. Maybe they're trying to be the fittest person they've ever been, or maybe they're trying to aspire to something for them, but it's so individually centered too, about where your own movement journey is, what that looks like for you and why you're trying to do it too. And so even having that understanding and recognition, as opposed to just yeah, assuming that everybody is trying to do it because they want to be an elite performance athlete. Yeah. And I really think that we're just shifting towards this more mm-hmm. social, emotional, spiritual, environmental version of health and wellness. Oh. I think that's that's the progression of society mm-hmm. in a sense that this is about the whole person yeah. being whole, right? And <laughs> I was gonna this say, is, <laughs> right? This is about being whole. 
-hmm. Now the physical element is one portion of the pie of being whole. It is cannot be everything. This incessant, disgusting diet culture and mm -hmm. this overzealousness of, of, of what we're doing with catering to the 15, the, you know, the 17% of people is not sustainable yeah. at all. It's you know? not. And so often when we lean into, I mean, as you know, we've talked, you know, my, my book being whole, and then some of the workshops I do are about those things. It's about how do you care for your whole person? What areas are you privileging and what areas are you numbing out? You know, how can you take all of these elements of socio-emotional wellness and make sure that you're nurturing yourself across these contexts? And that's a big conversation because a lot of times we're not aware of how we throw ourselves into one area and then we just feel like, oh, I'm just not happy or we feel stuck. And it's because when you look at all of those elements, socially, emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually, creatively, intellectually, you know, how are you actually giving back to yourself in all of those ways and really being honest about your own patterns and recognizing then, okay, this is what I want from my wellness journey, or this is what spirituality feels like to me. But then understanding that bringing those all together, that's how we reach that wellness and wholeness that we all seek so much. And instead we're seeking it, typically most of us from one or two areas. And then we go all in, especially if we're good at one of those things, right? Because then that feels yeah. good and we get those endorphins. And then we really are ignoring some other areas of ourself that need to be built up and nurtured and acknowledged. Yeah, I just, I just think we're just headed more in that direction. And um, to be straight, there's lots of awesome professionals in our business and I meet so many of them. Uh, but just overall, I think we just need to have a better focus towards the whole person and as trainers delivering that message. But again, it can be hard to deliver that message if you don't have the background to deliver it. Yeah. So I understand that. So there, there's going to be different levels and versions of mm -hmm. professionals, but I think most of us are working with the general population. We're not working with athletes or someone in more of a clinical setting. But again, that's what's pushed to the front. Yeah. And especially in academic settings, work in the clinical setting. We're losing so many people to uh, doctors of physical therapy programs really? because it's a stable profession. You know, you're going to make a certain amount of money, right? When you're someone like myself who owns all my businesses, I'm in, and I work essentially, I get paid when I work actually like not, I don't have PTO, all these things. I have to hustle all the time. That's can be scary. Yeah. If you're in a profession where you're not getting something all the time, stable, regardless mm -hmm. for that. And I think that scares a lot of our younger generation and some people in the business, like they want something stable. They want full time. Yeah. But you got to grind for that. And, but we also need to have better options mm -hmm. and we just need to have a more credible profession. So people will see us like they see other professions that yeah. have like better licensure or standards and board exams that doesn't just feel like I woke up today and I want to work with some people and I took a class over the weekend and now technically I could, you know, it's like, it's insane. That's not a reputable profession. Yeah. And well, and like you said too, it doesn't necessarily allow people then to think about the profession in that way, because yeah. until we had this conversation now, you know, now you've really got my wheels turning. It's like, okay, yeah. What fitness professionals do I know? How do they do it? And how are they trained? You know, just really kind of thinking about some of these things. Yeah. And, and I think too, like 
if there were some more of these things built into the education, that does add value. That does add, like you say, it drives the price point up a little bit because people are getting something different. So then, you know, that helps that issue too of people needing to make money or feeling like that they want to, or they need to reach a different financial tier for their own, you know, for their bills, for them, their own self. Yeah. And I think too, like that is something where, it can be diluting then the whole entire field then because it can be so easy to get other certifications. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, you and I have talked a little bit about that. Cause I feel that way sometimes too. I get real weird about the term life coach. People want to call me. Man, a life I don't like that term. And I get I'm just going to be honest with you. I know I don't either. Cause I'm like, I did not go to a decade of college to like, then be called a life coach when somebody next to me who has no education or training can call themselves a life coach. And I'm not trying to be all snotty or in my ego about my education. However, at the same time, like all those certifications and, and, and things that I did do give me a different level of knowledge and expertise and experience that maybe somebody else doesn't have. Right. So even understanding too, like what you're getting when you are seeking out a fitness professional and there are wide variations of what that really looks like. Yeah. The consumer is completely uninformed. And so that's the other problem is the consumer. If you just say that you're a trainer, they pretty much believe that you're a professional for that. The consumer is super uninformed. We need to educate the consumer better to make more discerning choices. But it's kind of like this life coach thing drives me crazy. How can so many people be life coaches? It's a lot of messy people. How can they all be so good at it? I don't get it. Like, you know, it's just like in my profession, there's so many trainers, but how can they all be really good? Like if the standard of entry is so low, how can there be a lot of good trainers? Like, for that. Maybe there's some that are intuitively very good at it. And that I have seen that again, I'm not going to discount that, but as, and, and as a general, large generalization to the population, uh, I think that it just statistically speaking, that it can't be that high of yeah. quality. I think when it's the standards are that low mm-hmm. for that, I don't know. I just like a lot of messy people. How can so many people be life coaches? I don't, you know, it's like, Everybody's always trying to coach somebody how to not be an imposter, you know, and all this stuff. I'm like, I just see this stuff. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just not sure, you know, like, yeah, I know. And it's hard because like you said, you hit on something earlier too, about, you know, academic research and how that doesn't always then reach the people or, you know, talked about in small circles. And so that's the thing too, really, then people who do have the education really, taking that material and translating it for people and getting it to people in a way that is going to resonate with them and help them see why this expertise is valuable, right? Instead of just people thinking that it's about like, oh, you just got that. So you could charge more. (laughs) Yeah. No. And then then the other (laughs) side, yeah, I mean, it's important to play both sides of it, right? So I talk about the undereducated aspect person, but then the person who is overly educated and has no sense of how to work with people that's a problem too and Absolutely. that's a problem with science i love science but science has a real problem because it's it's generally a lot of people who have zero personal skills with people too technical going to conferences speaking the jargon amongst other people that know your stuff who cares all yeah, right yeah. like if it's not reaching the general po- po- it's about the general population it's not about this ivory tower you're in i yeah. know you may think that's what it is you need to come to reality. Most people live on the planet Earth on the ground, and this is your population. 
okay? Not all the other people who have doctorates and you're speaking about statistical analysis and post hoc tuki test, all this stuff, make it realistic for people or that. So it's a bad on both ends. Absolutely. And, you know, so it's like, that's why I've been, science has a communication problem, huge mm -hmm. communication problem. Absolutely. And I've had a lot of scientists on my show and we talk about this. I'm like, you need to be on podcasts. You need to talk like, you need to talk to people in a language that they understand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's so true. because your science is only as good as the time it's in. It doesn't mean that it's hundred percent true all the time. I'm like, so I, I think this, this whole like pedestal thing needs to be gone too. So yes. I can see both sides of it, you know? Absolutely. And I think that that's no, I'm really glad we're having that conversation because it's not, it's the combination. Like you said, it's somebody can have all the credentials in the world, but if they are not really understanding how to work with other people or understanding how to communicate that message, then it's irrelevant how much schooling they've had. Right. And yeah. so really, really finding people that work well with you obviously is, is key here, but then also who are those people who resonate with you? And in some industries, good luck finding them, right? Because they're not yeah. out there publicizing themselves. They're not out there talking, like you said, on podcasts and things. And some of that is because, you know, that's not rewarded in academia in the same yeah. way as going to a conference and getting all puffed up and feeling all good about how important you are in a room full of people who have the same degrees and importance as you. You know, yeah. it's a weird space. So really stepping out into different areas and avenues. My brother's the chair of physics at University of Alabama. And when he became the chair, I was actually really sad in some ways for his students because he's phenomenal at teaching. Like he's a person who can just make you understand physics. His example yeah. is really cool. And he, you know, he speaks to his students and I've talked to him about that since I've been like, you know, can you then train other people to do this? Can you somehow have that embedded in for your faculty? And not that his faculty don't do that, but I'm saying just in general in the field, like you're speaking to. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, we could, but it's really not valued. And that's, that's yeah. not valued. And if we could kind of get over that disconnect and say, you know, yes, all of this research that's being done is wonderful and how we can help support not only our research continuing to go forward, but support the population who needs the information yeah. is by going out there and disseminating it and having those conversations yeah. and talking about it and not being afraid to just kind of, I think there's this, some fear too, for people of dumbing it down. You know, they're like, well, I don't want to yeah. water down my material. It's like, you had to work to understand it. How yeah. was it taught to you? And remembering that, like you didn't, you didn't immediately know all of that stuff. So yeah. thinking back to how that was shown to you, how that was talked about to you, what made you interested in that? And then being able to capture that for other people. Like when I, you know, back to the fitness professional, one of my friends owns a Pilates studio and hearing her talk about why she works there and why she does that. It's very similar to you. She wants to be on her client's journey. She's talking to them. She does this inventory with them. And it's so inspiring to hear her journey of coming to that place of going from, you know, just being somebody who was helping people work out to really understanding what she's building for others now. Yeah. But she's willing to talk about that. She's very transparent that that's what's happening, just like you're saying these things. And so again, really opening up the conversation of this is what this space can look like versus here's what we all think about it right now. Yeah. And I think the other, it's like, we have two other things that I think was are very interesting. My observation, 
purely mm -hmm. observational is that I think people like us who have our doctorates, PhDs, sometimes think they're smarter than they actually are. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. We're not like the smartest people out there in the world, but I think there's this prestige, this, this glow that sometimes when you have this level of education and the consumer sees that you, they think you're smart, you think you're smarter than you actually are. They think you sm you're smarter, you actually are. But it's also a problem with people who are highly undereducated in the fitness industry. They also think they're smarter than they actually are because of the internet and yeah, that they have information. Mm -hmm. They saw a couple of headlines, they saw a couple of videos, they think they're smarter than they actually are. So on both ends, I think it's both a problem for that. Super educated people think they're smarter than they are, but often lack in a lot of the skills that mean the most yes. to being a human. And people who are undereducated because of the internet think they're much smarter than their background actually is. Yeah. And that's dangerous too. Yeah, it is. And I think too, you know, so much of this goes back to one of your original statements of being able to admit that we're wrong being yeah. able to admit that we're not always doing it right, you know, being able to have that vulnerability. You know, one of the things I think that makes me a better teacher about relationships is I'm completely willing to talk about the ways I've messed them up myself because yeah, that's the learning and the growth because you can, as you're saying, you can have all the education and expertise in the world, but you still have to know how to apply it and teach it and talk to other people about it. And then the yeah. flip side of it too, you know, I agree with what you're saying so much in terms of people looking online and then feeling really great about everything that they've learned and feeling like they just want to share it or let me tell you how yeah. I'm doing things. But there's a real danger in that too, especially if you aren't properly trained in, you know, even things, you know, with whether that be physically, so you're not harming somebody's physical body versus emotionally thinking that you're holding space for somebody, but really not being able to ask the right questions or respond in a way that's appropriate because you don't really know, you know, and so there's no shame in any of that if you're willing to admit that and then have continued growth and expansion for yourself, right? Yes. But instead, yes. it's like, oh, we can't talk about that. Yeah. That's the crit to me. That's one of the greatest problems of our current time is and why people highly distrust large institutions mm -hmm. on whole right now because these institutions are not humble. No. They have no humility. They yeah. never admit if they did something wrong. And like, but the thing is, the beautiful thing of humans is that we love when people admit they're wrong and they say, listen, I, I, you know, I was thinking about this, but I've learned more, or this was a mistake I made in the past. Like, honestly, it was really dumb, but yeah. I'm working on getting better. People yeah. love a great comeback story. They love that stuff. But it's like, we forget that that exists in life. It's like, nope, I'm right. And even if I'm wrong, I'm just going to ride this till the wheels fall off. I'm like, oh. people hate that. But it just there's no logic. There's no lot. There's that's not a pragmatic way of looking at things. It's just insanity. Honestly, it is. So I feel like that's what I'm trying to do with my business. Mm -hmm. Initially, I'm in is like, okay, we need to admit things that mm -hmm. aren't right as a whole. Mm -hmm. Admit there are really great players in the business, and admit there are a lot of bad players too yeah. for that. And but let's move forward with that. But it's like we've forgotten, like. It's like we tell we're trying to like tell people it's it's bad to admit you're not good at stuff like yeah like it's bad to admit that you made a mistake like that's just insane to me that's like and we're teaching people poor behaviors poor etiquette for living when we do that stuff
not not only for a living but just yeah for how they're showing up and everything yeah instead of being able to then and I get it like it's scary and vulnerable to admit when you're wrong or you don't know something or you've messed something up especially if it's an area that you're supposed to be an expert in or have all of this knowledge right but the damage that is done to other people by not admitting those things like I, I hope we can all like kind of have some conscience yeah. about that right and then also for me personally if I don't own up to those things or admit to them, I have shame, guilt, and frustration over myself. You know, that's when those feelings would creep in of like, oh, you know, what am I doing? And so being honest about where I am, being honest about my own struggles or challenges, and then being able to talk about how I've used the material or my expertise or experience to move through those things or to change things. That's the human experience. Like that doesn't make me weak. That doesn't make me, you know, unstable. That makes me human. And so I don't actually want to see all these people who are, you know, upholding some picture perfect lifestyle. Cause honestly, the thing that I think is like, oh, what are they really hiding? (laughs) It's not real. It's not (laughs) not reality. You have bad days. You have like really bad days some days and you have really great days and you have just kind of like, hmm okay days you know it's like like with my clients if I say hey tell me how it's going today and they go oh it's okay I'm like why is it okay let's talk about like is that just like a prescripted thing you said because you're used to saying that or do you really feel like that Mm -hmm. and it's just like that's the level of depth you want to get I believe with people versus this obligatory I'm great but then inside you're like dying inside yeah you're just saying what you think everybody is supposed to feel great when you ask them how they feel yeah just be like i feel terrible like or i I feel like you know fair to midland whatever just right right it's so i used to have this conversation with my students you know about how we just go through these motions saying we're fine and you know how often throughout the day we ask people how they are and i was like have you ever just tried to really answer that question honestly or what would you do if somebody did if somebody actually told you instead of just saying i'm fine And they were all like, oh, whoa, I don't know. (laughs) Because we're not even used to then being able to respond to people who would would admit they're not okay or admit that they have struggling or, hey, yeah, you know what? Actually, I had a really bad morning. Then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, that what's that person saying instead of like <laughs> instead of being like yeah I you. <laughs> like oh that happens you know it's like yeah. we need to acknowledge the human experience so that we can all actually feel better about the shit that we're experiencing yeah. you know it's like if we're not acknowledging the fact that all of these ups and downs or trials and tribulations or areas where we don't know come in all that we're doing is continuing this narrative that there are that there isn't this problem or that these things aren't happening instead of really being able to admit like, yeah, this is what I experienced. This is what this looks like. Hey, I don't know, but let me find out and get back to you or whatever it is. Right. And, and not in, into me too. I think like, you and I are very similar in this, that, that doesn't make me feel weak. That makes me feel powerful because I'm like, okay, even if I don't know something and that would happen in class, people would ask me like, what about this? And I would have to say, you know what? I'm actually not sure about that. Let me go research that or let me look that up. Let me get back to you. And like being okay to say that and not feeling like inadequate as a result, like that makes me feel powerful because I might not know, but look at me, go figure this out or (laughs) whatever it is, right? And so I think really helping people see that there can be so much power 
in these things that maybe we think are going to degrade our reputation or make us seem like we're, you know, not up here on some pedestal, like you're saying. And, you know, also asking yourself, why do you want to be up on a pedestal anyway? I mean, then you're just going to get knocked down. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody has, you know, is living a different experience and they're going through different things, but there's a lot of commonalities too uh, with it. And I just think things, the reality of living is much more common than the extreme versions of living, which I think are just extremely minor, but are often the louder megaphones on the sides of everything. And so I think you will experience a lot of uh, beautiful things in life if you have a very centered approach to things. Mm -hmm. If you fall out, let's say an example of in fitness, health and wellness, if you're always skating the edge Mm -hmm. of this weird uh, cream or some juice or some crazy place, like you're going to have a lot of volatility in that experience because you're always going to be living on the I don't want to say fringe because sometimes fringe things are good things that could become mainstream, but you're living on these very far extreme ends of the, that usually don't lend themselves to uh, a quality experience long-term yeah. for that. Like have some common sense, you know? And, and I think the other thing is like why people fall into quackery within health, fitness, and wellness is because often the people who run these quackery based things, they, they basically talk to people in a way that they haven't been talked to before. Yes, their message. So they they so see good. them. They're- they see them for the first time, right? And if you're so, but if more people saw other people regularly and spoke to them in a way that they saw them regularly, they wouldn't fall for this stuff. Yeah. But most people are not getting, um, they're not being poured into emotionally on a regular basis, yeah. socially. So when someone comes along and they do that and they're good at manipulating that, done it's easy absolutely so we have to be careful if more people did that we'd probably be less likely to have these extreme aspects of things no that's such a good i mean you know talking about how academics need to work on their messaging some people like the people who are kind of preying on the vulnerable really you know because you're vulnerable in a certain way whether you feel upset about a certain issue or you want help with a certain thing and seeing some of that marketing, I mean, I myself have fallen victim to some of those things, right? Where you're like, oh, I do need this, or this is what's happening to me. And really thinking then that a product or a program is going to fix the problem when the yeah. problem is something that I'm facing emotionally more often than not. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing is too, with this, especially in my business, like this, this is probably going to sound fairly controversial, but it really doesn't matter. It's like, we have to stop looking up to people because they're popular mm. or that they're a celebrity. Do not follow celebrities. Seriously. Don't follow people just because they're popular. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, if someone makes a lot of money and they're in the zeitgeist or they're big, that doesn't mean they're intelligent. I'm serious. It doesn't mean that they know a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Take from someone I've worked my entire existence as a trainer, almost with very wealthy individuals or been in these environments. Lots of intelligent people. I'm not saying there isn't, but once you see under the hood, it's way different than what you think it is. I promise you it is. Yeah. Someone who makes a billion dollars may not be anywhere close to as smart as somebody who is a mechanic. I'm not joking. Yes. And no. telling you, it's we got to take this cover off a celebrity just because someone is on TV or has their own show or stream. It doesn't mean they're like super intelligent or yeah. that they even know half of what you know. 
I'm yeah. serious. It's not true. Stop getting that in your mind. Mm-hmm. I think too, like you're saying the fitness profession, that's even more prevalent because people yeah. are looking at your physical body, like you said, you know, on social media or even just different like TV shows, you, when you said, um, celebrities too, I was even thinking about different reality shows and how then you'll see like the people working out. And my daughter and I were just talking about this the other day, we saw one and she's like, they don't even have good form. <laughs> and I was like, I know, but it was just the idea of like, this is their thing that they're doing and let's all get caught up in this lifestyle. Yeah. And oh my gosh, I don't have a reformer at my house. Maybe I need a reformer. <laughs> I need the Peloton, you know, like yeah. getting caught up in those aspects of it instead of, you know, like you're saying, it might not be that that person has all of the answers. It might not be that what they're doing is appropriate for you either, P.S. Yeah. Because we don't all have the same journey of what's going to be good for our bodies or what we need. And so even really being able to recognize that. But I do think it's hard when, you know, I've read a lot of fitness uh, magazines like my entire life. I've been, you know, really involved in looking at those spaces and thinking about how I work out. And it's changed for me a lot as opposed to like when I was in my twenties and reading some of those things versus how I see them now. But I understand completely why we get sucked into that and why Mm -hmm. that becomes our focus then. And I think that again, it's so hard not to, because it's embedded across, not just then the fitness industry. Well then, okay. It's like, then I see now we're in swimsuit season. So I see all these ads for swimsuit or suntan lotion or whatever it is, right? You just help, but be faced with all of these beautiful bodies that then somewhere deep in your subconscious, you might be comparing yourself to them or maybe even actively. And so really even recognizing some of that imagery, some of the things that were shown, like we can consume that, but then also being critical critical consumers of that, right? Critical consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Look at these things for what they are instead of looking at them and being like, oh my gosh, you know, if I did this, my whole life would change. And really recognizing too, like with any of these gadgets or fads or things, the thing that is not being talked about is the work that you still have to put in with those things, you know, always involves work. All, all life involves work, you know, it's like, but if you're going to like follow something, follow people who have integrity, you know, that make decisions, the right decisions, even when it's not popular Ugh. or when no one's looking at you, that these are integrity. These are the ideals shoot, shoot for following an ideal that is actually followed. If somebody that you're checking out this is part of my mission. If you're checking someone out and you know they're making weird decisions all the time, you know it's just false, but they're doing it. You need to have the integrity to stop doing that yeah. and stop following that. Just because you think it's cool, but it, have some integrity. Yeah. It's like someone saying, well, I don't want to work at this job because they're making you know people wear swimsuits and stuff like that, but I need money. Okay, you're at, the, you're at a line there, yep. right? This is an integrity line. Mm-hmm. Obviously you need to make money, but could you make it somewhere else versus lowering yourself to this place that doesn't care about you for that? And I think a lot of people, they struggle with that line of integrity. They go, well, the money is pulling me this way, Mm -hmm. though my values may be pulling me this way. What are you going to be about? You know, are you willing to just not always say yes to stuff? because of the monetary aspect. That's hard. I'm not going to say it's not hard. That's hard. We should acknowledge that that's a difficult thing, but you should at least be examining it. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lisa, like, right, right. You know? And having knowledge and awareness. No, and I agree. It is so hard, you know, when you stay in a place or you make decisions based on finances, right. Or based uh, on feeling like you need money or feeling like that's the only way or the only thing that you can do. But then, like you said, acknowledging, okay, if this feels icky or terrible to you, that's rising up something then within you about your value system or about your integrity. And really, how can you listen to that? Maybe you can't jump ship right now and quit your job immediately. Sure. You got it. But but listening to that voice, listening, understanding, okay, so this isn't something I'm okay with. So what are steps that I can take to be in a different place or to make something elsewhere? or what have you, instead of just continually making the situation okay, because all that does is you're not okay then, right? Because yeah. the amount of energy you spend thinking about it, or there's little twinges of guilt or whatever it is, right? And so I think that that's sometimes we keep ourselves in positions because we think it's too hard to get out of them without thinking about how hard it is to be in them. Yeah, mo- most definitely. I just think we need to, you need to spend the time being work on yourself, yeah. Work on yourself tremendously. Then and also see people spend time observing deeply other people that you think are these great folks. Like, have you spent the time investigating? Yeah. We just too surfacy these yeah. days. And that's why for me, I never get caught up in any waves, man, mm-hmm. ever. I always like, let me critically think about this. Mm-hmm. Let me see what's going on here. Because yeah. often what I've seen when you pull the curtain behind it's crazy. Like I tell you one great example, all these like futurologists mm-hmm. or life extension people, you know, the want to live forever. Most of the time they have shitty behavior. They have shitty lifestyles, eat Kit Kats and stuff, burgers and all this stuff. You know, it's just like, they don't work out. It's like, what are you doing? Like, so it's just like, what's behind the curtain? Like, it's just insane to me to yeah. like want to live forever, but then have a garbage lifestyle. It's like, there's just weird stuff that if you get behind Okay, you may find I've, this has happened to me, but I've, I see somebody and you see a certain thing when you get to know them, you're like, wow, they're bad at a lot of stuff. Like, you know, like, like but all you see is what they want you to see. All you see is the wizardry mm-hmm. from it. But there may be people you think, wow, this person, they can't do no wrong. Well, guess what? Somebody lives with that person and is annoyed by them. I know. Right? You know what I mean? Like this, they can't be that great. <laughs> like, no, we're all know, human. Absolutely. You're and- getting weekend dad. That's what you're getting. Celebrity is weekend dad stuff. Oh, he takes them to all the places, has a great time. You know, you go to Disney World, you do all these fun things. You're getting weekend dad who has no responsibility. That's celebrity, weekend dad. The yeah. real stuff is who the person actually is. Like, they don't want you to see that. Like, who, who are you? That's why me, I'm the same wherever I go. You get, this is what you get. Mm-hmm. I'm just going just gonna to tell you. I want consistent behavior with the people, the real honest thing. If it's mess messy, it's messy. You know, I just, at least we know where we stand. (laughs) Right, right. And at least, and the beauty in that too, then is like when you can show up in that way, what I notice, and I'm sure you've had this too, is then you start to see how people that, you know, they start to show up in that. Yeah. Right. Because then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, it's safer. It, it's easier for me to do that now because I see that this other person is doing that. And so yeah. really then the cool thing that I've experienced from really being able to show up as myself, you know, flaws and all is then my circle of people, my circle of friends, or when we hang out or the people that I meet, like that's just the level we're at. 
you know, there's no like need for pretenses. There's no need for, you know, this trying to manage some existence that isn't real. It's just like, this is where we are. And a lot of times being able to, you know, going back to what you were saying, going, being able to admit like, Hey, I'm not fine, or this is what's happening, or I need to bitch about this for a second or what have you. That's like where so much growth can come from too. So by ignoring that you are, you're, like I like to think of it in in many ways, you're you're harming yourself. And like, why are you okay with harming yourself? Why are you okay with keeping yourself in this space when there are so many areas for growth and moving forward and for really being who you are authentically? And I think that, you know, that's what I'm so excited about what you're doing is you're helping this idea and this notion that fitness professionals professionals need to be more authentic. They need to show up differently. They need to have a more, uh, more authenticity, not only for themselves, but for the profession and what it really is to people. Because as you said, it's not for most people that I want this routine so I can be at this level to go compete in this, you know, fitness competition. It's like, what are the ways that I can feel better about myself? That's really what, you know, turn to wellness for they want to feel better in a variety they want to feel of better they want to feel better and and newsflash it's mostly not glamorous i mean yeah. it's it's mostly not glamorous it's mostly just putting one foot in front of the other yeah. nobody's watching it's yeah. very just monotonous tedious uh you know if you're working with someone there could be some more excitement if you depending on the professional you could have this great wonderful lasting relationship but even then you're in a relationship with someone. It's not great every day. You know, it's just like, yes. Yes. You know, it's like some sessions are great. Some sessions, eh, some sessions I'm really tired. Like yeah. some, as much as, and you don't have to love your profession. Like I enjoy being in the fitness industry, but like there's some days it's like hard to be in. Yeah. And there's some days it's like amazing to be in. That's okay. It's yeah. okay. Not everything has to be, you know, as we got this whole thing is like, everything's amazing, but no one's happy. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's okay if like, you don't like your job one day, but then you love it the next day. You know, there's no passion all the time. Like it's, it's okay. It's it's totally okay. Yeah. Oh, it is. I'm just so excited about this conversation today. I really love the way that you're not only thinking about this in terms of your own profession, but really you're looking at the human experience and trying to figure out ways to help heal the collective. How are we going to help infuse different patterns and practices and help people in a different way than what we have previously been doing? And I just, I can't wait to see what happens with all of the different things that you're doing with the course creation and just hopefully getting, hopefully getting that curriculum to exist in so many places mm-hmm. then too. That would be incredible. Mm-hmm. Got to start small, got to start yeah. small, take small steps, shape the behavior and then over time, you know? Right. And that's true of everything, right? Like we have to remember that it's the small steps. It's those baby steps, you know, they add up and eventually you can take longer steps and, and remembering that like, so often we get defeated because we see like this place where we want to get to, and we don't know how we're going to get there, or we're convinced we can't. And so just kind of chipping away at that really, even what are the things that you can do? What are the small steps that you can take? Like you said, oh, so exciting. Okay. So tell us like what you're working on right now, where people can find you, all the things. Yeah. So um, Dr. LeClaire was on my podcast, Dr. D's social network. And um, so I've been doing it for 
over three years. Um, pretty regular with it. There's tons of episodes to listen to, like almost 470 is a lot wow. you can listen to. Wow. Uh, but I'm working on a lot of series right now. So currently the series that I have is out is called The Frontline of Fitness. And it's myself and my colleague, Michael Stack from the University of Michigan. And it's all about how fitness is essential and should be at the front of the healthcare system. Mm. And and then how that's important. So we cover topics like the evolution of fitness, mm-hmm. fitness is healthcare, uh, credentialing and training, mm-hmm. uh, and, and actual healthcare policy uh, with that. So it's like a must listen for anyone in the health and wellness industry who works with people, especially trainers. And so that's like a big thing. So Dr. D's social network. And then uh, I don't ha- I don't have social media versus I just have LinkedIn, which I consider professional media. So that's where to find me or a Darian Parker at gmail.com. If you want to learn about my personality, uh, just listen to my podcast. You're just yeah. here. You're you just have so me. many great episodes and I'll make sure to link everything in the yeah. show notes too. The more we can have conversations like this, the more that we can open up spaces to really yeah you know, speak to some of the issues to kind of deconstruct what's really happening that benefits us all. And plus, I'm just excited because I think that we've had such a great connection and conversation. And I know that we're going to have more in the future too. So I'm so appreciative of your time and that you're willing to take time out to speak to my audience today. And also for all the work that you're doing to help empower other people on their fitness journey. I mean, that's really what you're doing here too. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This conversation was so eye-opening to what the fitness industry is all about and what it's missing. Here are a few of my takeaways. Number one, exercise isn't always about losing weight, but also about building a healthy relationship with our minds as well. You may find that mental benefits are often more motivating to move your body than molding your body to look a certain way. Number two, When we start interweaving different types of support or education, we can offer a broader spectrum of mental and physical fitness. Number three, just because you may enjoy exercising doesn't necessarily mean that you are meant to be a trainer. There's so much more that goes into being able to hold that role and provide what your clients will need. Number four, understanding your personal reasons as a whole for moving your body can help you feel more connected to exercise and learn to appreciate it more. Number five, Having proper training not only sets you up for success as a trainer, but also ensures that your clients will be more successful. Not having proper training can be a dangerous position for you and anyone you offer to help. Number six, saying yes to everything just for monetary gain doesn't always come from a place of integrity. Spend time working on yourself and also truly seeing others and what is really behind the curtain. I hope you found something that you loved in this episode. If you have a moment, I'd love for you to leave a review of the podcast on the platform you're listening to. Until next week, thanks again for listening.